Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It was told to me many years ago by Andrea DeGroote Nesdal, the now retired bishop of the South Dakota Synod. We were talking about baptismal preparation in our congregations and how we got people ready to be baptized and the power of taking time with adults to grow in their understanding of baptism before they come to the font when they are baptized as adults. And as we were talking about that, Andrea shared a story about a congregation in her synod, and it started out sounding like a pretty humorous story. One of the pastors from her synod was preparing for a baptism with a family that was marginally active in the congregation, and the pastor met with the parents and the sponsors right before worship on a Sunday. The pastor explained to them the meaning of baptism, the significance of their roles in the process, and he then asked if any of them had any questions. The young man who was one of the sponsors said, well, yes, this baptism thing sounds like a pretty good thing. I was wondering if I could do it. The pastor said, well, I think that would probably be a good idea. The pastor was feeling a little buoyant at that point, and so they went out into the sanctuary to see the rest of the family and friends who had come for the baptism, and he explained to them what was happening in that service, and then half-jokingly asked if anyone else wanted to be baptized that day, and two more people raised their hands. So they had their baptismal service that day, and the pastor was able to preach the power of the gospel to an obviously rather unchurched group of people that day. Well, two weeks later, that young man, the sponsor, was killed in a terrible car accident. Two weeks after his baptism, that same pastor was given the opportunity to proclaim the Easter victory to that same group of unchurched people who had gathered for the baptism. Now, as a young pastor hearing that story for the first time, it made me cringe a little bit. Should the pastor have done those baptisms? We were taught in seminary that you need to prepare adults through a catechumenal process and take time and make sure they understand what's happening, and that's certainly a good thing. But hearing the end of the story, of this story, you realize that if that had happened, that young man would not have been baptized before his death. He wouldn't have heard those words of love and promise, forgiveness and hope, nor could the pastor have shared in the same way, with the same power, those eternal promises of love after his death to that same group of family and friends now struggling in their grief. What seemed like the right, logical, proper way to proceed would have been too late in that case. The Easter spirit was alive and well in that impromptu baptismal festival on the plains of South Dakota. 
back when the telegraph was the fastest means of long-distance communication. There's a story about a young man who applied for a job as a Morse code operator. Answering an ad in the newspaper, he went to the address that was listed. He arrived, went into a large, noisy office in the background. You could hear the telegraph, telegraph clacking away. A sign on the receptionist counter instructed job applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were called into the inner office. The young man completed his form. He sat down with about seven other candidates there waiting. Naturally, all the other candidates perked up, wondering what was going on when this young man, a few minutes after sitting there, just stood up and walked on into the office all by himself. Well, they muttered about out by themselves, and they said, what the heck, no one has been called yet. They all laughed and thought, this guy's going to get thrown out any minute now. But a few minutes later, the young man emerged from the inner office, escorted by the boss who said, thank you all for applying. You can all go now. This young man has the job. And they said, well, wait a minute. We didn't even get a chance to interview. What's going on? He just barged in there all by himself. And the employer responded, all the time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it or understood it. This young man did, so the job is his. And the teller of the story concludes with these words. It says, a person's entire livelihood, indeed their life, depends upon their ability to, to discern the meaning of these words. You are my son, the beloved whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I first told that story when preaching on this text about 21 years ago on this occasion of the baptism of our Lord. And I was surprised with what I wrote following that story said, a rather clever story, cleverly told, but after telling it, I'm left with quite a challenge for the rest of the sermon. The storyteller I quoted seems to find this passage of Scripture addressed to Jesus as a central truth for our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never really thought about that passage as central to the meaning of my life, so if I was going to tell that story, I decided I'd better figure out why the storyteller thought those words were so central. And, of course, my sermon goes on from there to do that. But what surprised me now is that there was a point in my life where I thought these words were only addressed to Jesus. So apparently my sermon worked back then, at least for me, because now, these 21 years later, I certainly do see these words as central to my life, central to my understanding of what it means to be baptized into the body of Christ, to hear those words spoken over me, as they were over Jesus. You are my beloved. I love you. And with you, I am well pleased. We are reminded, each one of us, that Jesus speaks these words to us, that we are children of God, chosen in love. God, the all-powerful creator of the universe, chooses the kind of relationship that God will have with creation. God will love all of creation, including each one of us. And just as God chooses to love, 
we are invited then to choose to love as we have been loved. The God who chooses to love us, even with all of our imperfections and shortcomings, invites us into this posture towards all of the imperfections and shortcomings we see around us. God chooses to love. Will we? This is the question we'll be asking throughout this next year. We all have choices in how we approach the world. Will we choose love? Will we choose peace? As Pastor Lorne noted in his Christmas Eve sermon, knowingly or unknowingly, we have been choosing over these last years to become more hardened to the needs of our friends and our neighbors around us. In the midst of all of the challenges of this pandemic, one of the realities I have noted is our propensity to see our own challenges as the most acute. I read articles about people leaving ministry because it's so challenging today with people demanding so much and yet offering so little grace And then I read an article about educators saying essentially the same thing about their own field. And of course, we all know about the challenges of being in the healthcare field these days. All of these things are true, but the emphasis of these burdens in individual fields can leave workers in any particular field only focused on their own burdens and miss the forest for the trees. The reality is that everyone is hurting right now. Everyone is overly stressed, worn out from dealing with the pandemic. All of us have shorter fuses, and we can choose. We can choose a lack of grace, a lack of generosity towards others. I can choose to judge and demean those that are different from me, that think differently than I do. I can choose any of those things. Or I can choose love. I can choose peace. I can choose what God first and always chooses for me. God chooses to love. Undeservedly, unabashedly, God chooses to see the best in me every single day. Over the course of this year, we're going to be looking for ways to encourage you and to equip you to encourage others to choose love, to choose peace in a world so often devoid of it. We'll begin with a seven-week sermon series now at the beginning of this year that explores love and peace as characteristics of God and of God's kingdom as it comes among us now. And it is so fitting that it begins here with the baptism of our Lord and remembering our own baptisms into Christ. For in our baptisms, God chooses us in love and promises that this love will be with us from this life into the life to come. Everything with God begins and ends with love.
And we then spend a lifetime of growing into how we infuse all things with this love in our lives as well. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.